1: Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
2: Have you ever wondered why maybe some sons really kind of turn out real well and others don't? Are you concerned with maybe some of your friends of your kids and the influence they're having on them? Are you concerned with perhaps how your son handles his money? Are you concerned with the amount of temptation that he faces every day and how he's handling that temptation? Or for some of you that will be releasing your son because he's a little bit older and he's going off, maybe to camp and other places, how will he handle the temptation when you have broken the cocoon and let him kind of stick his head out a little bit? Well, I want you to know that the weeks we have ahead, I'm going to try to cover these, but I'm not going to just try to go all over the Bible. Today we may a little bit, but I'm going to try to capsulize this series in just 10 chapters of the book of Proverbs. I've begun working on this. I guess last fall, some of you I shared that I've been on this deep study of this passage, and I wanted to look at the first ten chapters of Proverbs 10, read it over and over and over and over and over and over again, and then to find out if there would be ten truths that might kind of uh, percolate to the top. And I'm going to select those, and I'm going to share them with you. I've chosen to do something that's very difficult for me right now. That is to slow down and not talk too fast. Some of you are saying, that's good, Stan. And the second thing is to not follow the fact that I have an outline in front of you and I'm going to finish it even if we get out at 2 in the afternoon. I'm going to look at the clock. We're going to end and I'll pick it up again next week. You like that? Okay, would you promise though you'll be back every week? That's all right. My wife said that the loudest, so don't worry about it. But anyway, back to this. When I went through these 10 truths, it's very easy for us to do that. I gave it to another dad who's struggling and he started on this thing and he was kind of all over the place. But what I need to do, though, is in a moment, I need to take you back to give you a lot of the background of what's going on in the, here's the word, dynamics, before these ten truths ever get out. That's why we may not even get into lesson number one today. We may have to pick that up again next week. But if you get this foundation, it'll be a lot easier for you then to accept the truths, those lessons that I'm going to give you later on. So I want you to be really filled with the background of this to see the absolute necessity to be able to be the kind of influencer in your home that you should be. So, you'll notice in your notes, I mentioned there that being a father isn't easy, but it isn't impossible either. So for some of you that think, I don't think I'll ever be able to make it as a father, that's a good attitude to have. Because when you finally say, I can't do this, but he can, therefore I will, And so now you're going to lean on the Lord. You're going to lean on His truth. And so that brings us to these three. There's a precise instruction found in God's Word. This is not just truths for people who lived 2,000 years ago and for Proverbs 3,000 years ago or more. These are absolute, irrelevant truths. I do not need to make the Bible relevant. These truths will transcend all cultures, all ages, because it's speaking to the heart of man that never changes. It's depraved, it needs God, and God's word can fix that. All right? So again, we're going to go through scripture. So let me encourage you even now to scramble and find a Bible for in a few moments. We're going to go through a lot of verses, and I want you to see them with your eyes and not just hear them with, with your ears as I share these with you. Now you can find a Bible there under the uh, seats that are around you. You can open up your phone. You might have a Bible app in it if you don't get one in there. You might have it on your iPad. I encourage you to get your own Bible where you can really hear and feel the rustle of the pages where you can mark this down and you can see it in its totality. If you get a Bible... I'll be using the New American only because it's more literal translation. I like its accuracy, but you can have that. So the precise instruction in God's Word. So what I'm teaching you is going to come from Scripture, not from some sermon that was handed down from some headquarters on the mainland. It's coming from God's mind on paper. Number two, you will also have God's strength to accomplish that which you're going to be learning in the weeks ahead. So you men that feel like I really can't do this, again, it's not a bad attitude to have. It's when you finally say, I can't, but he, God, can. Therefore, through his strength and power, I will because he will be living these truths out in my life because I'm choosing to yield to him, to his spirit, and to his word to do this. So his strength to accomplish it. And God's provided one other thing. And that would be other dads to come alongside you. I am debated with uh, what I'm about to tell you for a number of weeks as I was putting this together, and I may still do this, but I'm still wrestling with it. That phrase that God has provided you with other dads to come alongside to help you is that we are blessed at this church to have men that have come to a point in their life that want Christ first in their life know the value of the Word of God, and also know the incredible responsibility they have to their family to do far more than just provide three hots and a flop, three hot meals and a place to sleep. These are men who recognize the value of mentoring their family by teaching them the Word, putting them underneath the sound of proper teaching in the practical issues of life, as well as modeling it. Now here's my struggle that I had. I thought as I went through all of these, I would parade a dad up here and I would have him share with you what he does with his kids. I don't think I could find any. Oh, I could find them, but I don't think I could find any of them that are that would be willing to go public with this because they're so humble and say, I, I could share some things, but I I still see myself as a dad that's on a journey. And I wouldn't want to embarrass them or put them in an uncomfortable position and nor would we want to lift up someone above someone else. But I would like you to know that this room here, this Auditorium is filled with men that would so dearly love to come alongside you to help you in that. Now I need to go on a parenthesis. I'd like to speak now to you single mothers that are out there. My message is going to be mostly designed at fathers teaching their sons, and if you'll give me some time today, I'll kind of give you why I'm going to go from that as my primary emphasis. But I don't want you to think that God only cares about dads, masculine two sons, masculine, but he does care about the totality of the family. And in many cases, when there is no father available, or maybe even no father willing to step up to the plate and be the dad that he should be, then that will fall upon you. And so in a sense, I don't want you to sit back there and get more angry at your ex or at your current husband that's not doing what he could be doing or should be doing. I'd rather have you sit back and say, I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to let God take care of them. But these kids still need some kind of a mom and I'm going to try to pick through everything that I'm learning from scripture from the pastor and see what I can apply to my life right now. Now some of you ladies that are out there, and I see a bunch of wonderful single ladies that are here, let me give you this thought. When you hear these messages, maybe what you might want to do is to again say, in case I get married and I have children and my husband gets killed in war, an accident, health issues, not there I want to already have these truths so embedded into my conviction that I'm going to live these truths and use these truths with my kids. I want you to have that. And then one more. Those of you who are single, ladies, you might want to say, I want a a guy that, um, I don't want him to just be able to walk and chew gum at the same time kind of a guy. I want him those kind of guys that's not only a Christian. I don't want to marry a Christian. I want to marry a dedicated Christian. I want to marry someone who at least has pointed his heart in the direction of God and his word and is willing to do what God would have him to do to continue to grow, to be the man he should be, the husband he should be, and the father he should be. So you look for a guy who would like to embrace these truths so that when he does become a father, he doesn't have to scramble to learn. It's like, now you're a doctor, let's go to school and learn how to do it. It's not like that. And then for some of you single guys that are out there, You may think you'll never get married, but you may. And the same truth holds for you. And last, and then I'll get into some more material here is this. This uh, world, our island, and even around this church, we have a lot of kids that don't have a dad. And so, all you men that are here, I would encourage you that you might say, now's the time for me to reach out to some of these other young folks. I'm a grandpa. What I lost in my own kids, I might be able to gain in my grandkids. Did you hear that? Write that down. What I've lost in my own kids because I just didn't do it right then and I have so much work to do to try to rebuild that broken relationship, I get it free from my grandkids. So I'm going to work with them. So what I've lost in my kids, I want to gain with my grandkids. So, you know, this message, although the week's ahead, I'm going to be talking about wise fathers with their sons. I don't want you to think the rest of us are left out and this should be a men's retreat or men's conference. It's for everybody because God's word is written for everyone. So I hope that might help you just a little bit. You know, as you read the the paper and as you watch television, you know that there is an incredible high priority of communication coming out that absolutely denigrates the role of a dad. When you watch television today, most every show that's the most popular shows will show dads as buffoons, jerks, not there, or they'll be put in the direction of being abusive, horrible, completely out to lunch. There's very few examples that we have. And you hear that more and more and more and more. There's even some, I would believe, listening to me today when I talk about fathers with their sons, immediately they say, he's a chauvinist. He didn't talk about the girls, cares more about the guys. He he thinks men are more important than women. And that's not what I'm going. That's not where I'm going totally. But there is a part of that, not the chauvinistic part, where God does speak specifically to fathers with sons. But you see, that's what's happening. And you know, the sins of the fathers is passed down to the second and the third and the fourth generation. And it could take two and three and four generations to be turned around once you have a godly father. And you know, if men aren't godly as a dad, that means they're probably not godly as a husband. It means they're probably not walking with God as a business person or a CEO or a politician or someone who is making laws. And all of a sudden, you've got the whole country caving in because they don't understand what godliness is all about and a biblical framework and a healthy family the sanctity of marriage, the sanctity of life, and we're now living the results of it. And it's horrible. And some of you have been reading the paper and hearing the news just this last week in South Carolina. So I would like you to know that on the other hand, God does have a fix for all of this. He has a plan. And if the church follows this plan, which I hope we will, I believe we will because our heart is right, He also has a plan for the fathers and I pray that we men here will stand strong in the word and let God take care of the results of all of this, however far that ripple will go as we now plunge as a rock into his word. I'm excited about what God can do in our lives in the weeks and the months ahead just through this study. It has revolutionized my thinking, It encapsulated some of the things that I've been thinking about. Now. We talked about God speaking to us through the whole word, and I do not ever want to elevate one word, one verse, one book above another book. All of these books in the Bible, 66 of them, is like one big series all together, beginning at Genesis, ending at Revelation. And when we see these together, that's progressively filling us full with the knowledge of God, and so we could understand it. But there is a particular book that was inspired by God, but written by Solomon. And it's called the Book of Proverbs. And that's why I'm going to cover 10 chapters, not all verse by verse, but we will exposit it, which means we're going to take as much out of it as we can. So let's begin and look at the first verse we're going to have time to cover for today. If you look at First Kings chapter 3, if you will. First Kings chapter 3. So turn in your Bibles, make sure you get them out. We're going to look at some verses here. Israel began with a king by the name of um, Saul. And then Saul was kind of a... He he just went off the map. He went off the reservation. So God then had another king that he was selected, and his name was David. And David became arguably Israel's greatest king. Israel's most famous, greatest king that it ever had, King David. He was the one, the shepherd boy, that brought down Goliath by his faith in the Lord and all that he did, and so God used him in a great and mighty way. He was stamped by God, identified as a man, That had his heart turned toward the Lord so completely that there was that intimacy with God, and he wrote most of the Psalms. Not all of them, but most of them. So now you have this man who's the greatest king that Israel had ever known. He is now on his deathbed, and he's about ready to give what I call a deathbed declaration. Have you ever thought about what would be your last words before you died? I was doing a study recently on the presidents of the United States to try to find out what would these great world leaders have to say on their deathbed. Some of them were so wonderful as, tell my wife I love her, and then he slipped into eternity. Others were saying, don't forget to tell them that I was great. All different kind of things at the end of their life. Would you like to know what David said at the end of his life? I bet you would. But here's what's most important. What he said was not to just any man. It was to his son, but not just kind of any son. It was a son who then would become the wisest person who ever lived. Think about that. You've got the greatest king, now I'm going to speak to the wisest person that will ever live. Great king, wise guy over here. Something is about to be said. What do you think he's going to say? Hey, how about those Jerusalem Chargers? No, he's not going to talk about football or... Chariot races, he's not going to talk about any of that stuff. He's now going to give him something very important. Let's look at what he has to say here, if you will. I think this might be a, a great uh, blessing to you. First Kings, it says chapter 3, but I want you to look at chapter 2 first. Chapter 2. First Kings, chapter 2. It says, "As David's time to die, draw near. He charged Solomon, his son, and he said, I'm going the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and show yourself a man. Good question. How do I show myself a man? All right, I'm, I'm supposed to do that. Dad tells me, be strong. Demonstrate what a man is like. Become a man. What do I do? Verse 3. Now he tells him, Keep the charge of the Lord your God. That means keep it in your heart. Own it. To walk in his ways. So don't just have a head knowledge, but have a feet knowledge. You're walking in it. To keep his statutes, his commandments, his ordinances, his testimonies, according to what is written in the law of Moses. Now if you do that, here's what's going to happen. You may succeed in all that you do and wherever you turn, wherever you go, so that the Lord may carry out his promise, which he spoke concerning me, David now, saying, if your sons are careful of their walk, their way, how they walk before me in truth with all their heart, underline that, not just heart, but all their heart, and with all their soul, that means their entire life, every fiber that they have in their being, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. thought that was interesting, because he's saying that if, you do what I was told to do for you, then the nation of Israel would become extremely strong. Men, would you like to leave a legacy to follow you? Now that legacy may be that you pass down your business to them. You might pass down your practice to them. You may pass down your property to them. You may pass down some heirlooms that you got from your grandfather. But for me, the greatest thing I would love to pass down to our son is not that uh, he takes over a ministry that I'm involved in. It's an honor, of course, but that's fleeting. I want him to own my God. That's what I want him to do. I want my God to be his God. I want his relationship to be with the Lord. Now, dads, this is square one. This is at the very beginning of all that we're going to learn is you want to pass a legacy. That legacy is one that they would serve the Lord, know the Lord with all of their heart. And then God says, a legacy is built. And what a great legacy that is. Now go to um, 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 12. He says, behold, I have done according to your words. Solomon is saying that. Behold, I have given you a wise and discerning heart. The Lord is saying that to Solomon. So that there has been no one like you before you, nor like you after you. You now have wisdom, he's saying. Chapter 4, verse 29. Flip over there. So now I've got the greatest king talking to the wisest man and God is now speaking to the man that he's giving this wisdom to in verse 29 and now commentates on it. Now God gave Solomon wisdom and very great discernment and breath of mind like the sand that is on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the sons of the, of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all the men, at the end of the verse it says. And his fame was known in all the surrounding nations, basically because he was smart. Verse 32, he also spoke 3,000 proverbs, which we will be studying. Not all 3,000, but we will be picking up some that really speak to our issue about dads and what their sons need to learn. And his songs, generally the song of Solomon that he spoke. Verse 34, men came from all people groups to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all the kings of the earth who had heard his wisdom. Now, specifically to the men. Do you believe that Solomon was David's son? I do. Do you believe that Solomon was given wisdom by God? I do. God said so, therefore it must be true. Did he have that wisdom? Yes. Do we see others coming from all over the land to hear that wisdom to meet this man? I believe so. Now, here's my question for us. Will you and I as men be willing to pay the price to go to the book, of Proverbs, to go to the writer of Proverbs, Solomon, just like those men did in days of old because we want that wisdom for ourselves. I pray that we'll pay the price no matter the cost. Now, I know that some of you may not be able to be here every week. I encourage you to listen to it on the air. I encourage you to watch it on YouTube. It's all being filmed. I pray that you'll be able to pick up a copy of these notes because, dads, I want your highest passion and desire right now. It's not only just to provide food for your family and all that, the protection, but that you now would step up to the plate and be the man of God that God wants you to be to the next generation. You want to learn these ten truths. Now, ten truths, yes, could be a hundred truths, but those are the ones that we really want to learn. So think about it. You have God, you have the Holy Spirit, you have Solomon, that perfect um, A-team that's going to teach us, and you men along with me, we're going to learn it together. So do not think I'm up here that I have it all together. I'm here as a student who might have found some of this stuff a little bit ahead of you because i got it in front of of you on the path. doesn't mean I'm better than you or no more than you. I just got it, and I'm bringing it back to you and say, guys, 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 look at this. This is great stuff. Let's do it. It's for the next generation. It's for the glory of God. We can do this in his word. And I pray that that would be the case. So what are the uh, things that we can learn from Solomon? There are three. One, he got a mandate from God. He got a mandate from God. And what was that mandate? That mandate was to teach his sons. Turn, if you will, now to Deuteronomy chapter 4. It's all listed there, so if you want to go back, you can. But turn to Deuteronomy chapter 4. Some of you have been hearing me say, fathers, what wise fathers teach their sons? Where did I get that? I got that from the mandate We'll call it in hermeneutics, the first mentioned principle. Hermeneutics is the proper interpretation of scripture. What did we learn first? When education was being done in the family, it came from the fathers to the sons. That's the um, gender structure that was going on. We will open up to the wives a little bit later on and the the mothers. But right now, I want you to see that the first mention, the weight of the responsibility, ultimately resides on the husband, or we might say head of household. Look at verse 9. It says, um, Moses now speaking, he says, Only give heed to yourself. Okay, guys, that's to you as dads. Give heed to yourself. Take care of yourself. Prioritize your life. Get things in order again. God gave you kids. God gave you sons, perhaps. Now you're focused on it. Take heed to yourself. Keep your soul diligently, implying that you might not be able to keep your soul diligently. That it's kind of like mercury. Every time you touch it, it squirts in another direction. So guard your soul. Guard your time. Guard your mind. Guard your life. Be diligent about it, because it's easy for you to drift. Then it says, So that you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen, and they do not depart from your heart all the days of your life. Now, what their eyes have seen was the miracles of God as they were going toward the promised land. They saw what God did. Now, you may focus on a miracle and answer to prayer that He's done in your life, but for you right now, they did not have the written word of God. You have the written word of God, and there's a plethora of other miracles that God did that's found in Scripture. So what you want to do is, with your eyes, what you have seen in His word, and don't let what you've seen in His word depart from your heart all the days of your life. You could say any moment of your life, any time in your life, you own the value of God's word in your life. Then it says, but make them known to your sons and your grandsons. That's what you want to mark. It didn't say granddaughters. It didn't say daughters. I don't believe that it's uh, there to be left out. But I'm going to give you my my understanding of why it's so much on the sons. And you'll see it all through this passage. You'll see it in chapter 4, chapter 6, chapter 9. It's all men with their sons. So here they are, a couple of the reasons when God is now with a nation and now he's getting the nation together to do a great work they moved them to a place now that the law is going to be given to them they have the law now they're going into their land the promised land so he's now saying I've grabbed you from these places I've taken you out of Egypt I've given you the word I'm shoving you into the land right here you've got to conquer the land but this is going to be your land this is your people so you've got a people and a place and a person God in charge of it said all that to say this so Who is going to lead the country once Moses is gone? It's going to be Joshua. Who's going to follow Joshua? Who's going to be head of all the families? They're going to be all masculine leaders of all the tribes, masculine leaders of all the families. So what he's doing is he's saying, what I want to do is I want to give the educational propagation and legacy system, and you start it by having the dads own it, the dads teach the sons, because the sons are going to be the influence of the family when the dads are gone. That's the masculine context that it's in. When you go further into scripture, you'll often find where it talks about God, Christ, husband, wife, or man, woman.
1: You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Ponds, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida.